Hello, so on the latest episode of Sea Blue Smarts, joined today by Jake, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, FY23 planning as, as we're in the midst of it for, for a lot of our clients, and specifically actually how to architect an ABM program which is going to be sustainable throughout the course of the year. So we know that we're seeing a lot of clients shift their focus towards shorter term revenue opportunities, which is completely understandable given the economic environment. But actually what what we're what we're going to talk about today is actually how you can do the combination of both short and long term growth. And actually it's really important that, that we do keep focused on, on the longer term sustainable growth whilst accepting that we do absolutely need to capitalise on those shorter in quarter activities. So I know, Jake, you, you've written a lot about this topic and actually I think probably a good one for, for you to kick us off on. Where are you actually seeing most ABM programmes fail? I mean, I, to be honest, there's several there's several areas. So the first and foremost, I would think, and that is just relating to what you were just talking about in terms of planning for FY23, is around setting the right KPIs. So you can set those upfront KPIs. What are the short term goals that you need to be aiming for as well as the long term, uh, as, as well as the long term growth? So if you can align on what are the KPIs that we're going to be driving with this campaign, then that means that you're putting yourself in the right frame of mind to work towards actually achieving those KPIs. Um, also at the same, at the same time, what, uh, what really leads to the failure of ABM programs is one people not totally being bought in from across the mm. business into the program so when it comes to ABM programs every, everyone is as important as the next person you're only as strong as your weakest link so you need to get everyone totally aligned on what is it that we're trying to achieve and how are we going to achieve it what's the strategy what are the tactics that sit underneath that to how we're going to build that out and what does that look like as you said from short right to the long term the final one and this one is really really important for me is around capacity and resource so when you're running abm it is going to take a lot more effort than than just your 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 sort of broad marketing campaigns because you're going right down into that detail you're taking it uh you're elevating it from that product um led approach and you're separating it out, it's separating out all your messaging, all your value propositions, all of that outbound execution, um, execution into multiple groups and segments. So whether that's industries, verticals or individual accounts or maybe clusters of accounts, it will take more effort. And if you try and do too much too quickly with ABM, then you're just going to lose that momentum with people and people are just going to go back to what they what they knew. Absolutely. And I, I think your point around alignment, not just of sales and marketing, but actually that, that wider ABM group, because it, it is quite extensive when it's done properly, yeah. is a really interesting one. And it's not just the initial buy-in, right, but it's actually making sure that early on those expectations are set, that over the course of a year or, or however long that, that program is going to be running for, but as we know, ABM performs best when it's, it's 12 months plus. Ensuring yeah. that we've got their buy-in throughout the, the course of the year. And actually, it's a really difficult thing because there are competing priorities as, as the year goes on. Um, you know, different things take centre stage. So actually really considering that up front, how are you going to manage that? How are you going to manage the time expectations uh, of those individuals and, and be really cognizant of what else they've got going on is really, really important. Really important. Mm-hmm. And I think your your capacity box, right? Uh, is a really interesting one 
I remember reading your your article, or rereading, I should say, your your article recently. I think it's a really useful construct to to actually frame this thinking. So I don't know if you want to share a few few thoughts around that. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you're taking a little piece of everyone when it comes to ABM because we've got to be, at the end of the day, everyone's got their responsibilities. You're not just turning the business on its head and saying, right, we're all ABM now. So you're taking a little bit from everyone. You've, you've got time from the marketing executive, from the BDRs, from all the sales teams, from the product teams, even from the ops teams and from the executives as well, if you're, if, if, because everyone needs to be aware of this. So what we were just talking about in terms of that visibility um, is even when the execs aren't really touching any of this, they're bought into the program. They understand the short term, they understand the long term. So there's a little bit of their time they're giving. The ops team, they're really important as well. They're not doing the execution, but they're setting up um, and facilitating for execution for the sales team to be as effective and efficient as possible. So you're taking a little piece of everyone, some more than others, and you've got to have a bit of a, a, a vision in mind. There's not an exact science to it. It's probably a bit of a finger in the air exercise as to what is achievable with the time that you're going to have across those team members. So that's where the idea of the box comes in is that everyone is contributing to the size of the box and then you can fill that it, you can fill that with, um, with what's going to be most effective what, and what's going to What's, uh, and this is important, what's going to build that scalable model so that as the program grows, as the box grows, um, then you can start filling more things in as well. And as people get more used to the theory of ABM, how to work together, how to get the best from everyone. And also as you start having those ABM messages that you can just learn from. So if you've got if you've got a cluster for CIOs, for example, that's working really effectively and it's, uh, and you think there's going to be a lot that you could learn that you could start pushing to CISOs, then that, then you can start actually really seeing those efficiencies and the scale of ABM. And, um, I mean, maybe to take, this is probably a bit, it's probably, you're going to have to visualize this and bear with me here, but if you take the box analogy, um, and you've got the amount of effort that goes into each of the campaigns as people get more used to it, Therefore, so the effort as in the size of the box that is in going into it should also reduce as well because of those efficiencies, because of the knowledge and because of the experience that people are bringing to the ABM program. No, it, it makes absolute sense. And it's one of those things that is so important to think about up front, mm-hmm. but particularly at the moment where actually there may well be pressures on, on the size of the team and, and where their focuses are. Right. And I, I think that point around box again it's, it's quite an interesting one because actually when you think about ultimately the capacity that you've got to deliver mm-hmm. that is another really important factor because it, it then leads to the million dollar question right which is if you're just starting abm where do you start and if you're already doing a little bit of abm or even if you're established how do you evolve it right where, where do you where do you go where do you move and that that for me is quite an interesting one because certainly i see a few clients, I would say, that, that actually are probably overextending um, what, what they're hoping to achieve with, with an ABM and actually, you know, almost boiling the ocean, right, to, to coin the jargon. But but it it is true. You've got to be really mindful about, you know, not just what you can deliver over the course of a year, but what you can deliver effectively and more specifically, commercially effectively. But how can you deliver yeah. that ROI, that tangible mm-hmm. value at, at the end of the day? So 
I mean, where, where, I've got a few thoughts on this as well, but tell me where, where you're seeing some of your clients, I suppose, start their, their ABM journey. Where, where's, where's the best jumping off point or your, certainly your recommended jumping off point? I mean, I can give where my recommended and preferred jumping off point is. And uh, it largely does depend on the client at the end of the day. You want to start with where's the opportunity, where's the perceived opportunity? Where, where, where do you think that the value is that you can drive with this program? And also, what does the total addressable market look like for your business? And where, and actually, what is the size of the opportunity within each of the individual accounts or within each of the perceived segments within those accounts? So to answer the question, if you're the sort of business where you have a few massive value clients and that you can cross sell, upsell and build these massive platforms within these accounts and have these land, these uh, lighthouse accounts that are doing most of your, that, that are doing, that, that is most of your revenue then I would definitely say to start with one-to-one because it's about understanding how we can scale those uh, the, the business within those accounts and treat them on a one-to-one basis because maybe your platform just does substantiate just having a, that total unique and bespoke um, platform uh, development or setup for the individual accounts. But, and this is where my preferred one is, uh, is starting with the clusters. So, Obviously, when you're starting to try and break down what is the message for 20, 30 accounts and how can we effectively be running ABM into those accounts on a one to one or rather one to few level, that's where you're going to see some real economies of scale, but also being able to effectively uh, execute an ABM program, an ABM program that's going to that you can scale in the future. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think certainly when when I'm advising clients, I'm a very data oriented person, very data led. And, and for me, it's it's always, you know, what is the potential ROI of, of this activity? So within any given accounts, right, if you follow your, your Pareto principle, you, you're going to have 20 percent of your accounts providing 80 percent of the revenue. That's usually a pretty good place to start. I mean, we know customers are a lot easier to uh, sell into, to upsell, right, than, than it is to acquire it's much more difficult to acquire a new customer but actually you know looking at that ROI is a really good point because it does dictate the level of investment and the level of of effort and activity that is warranted especially if you've got an upcoming RFP within one of your you know key accounts your must-win accounts whether it's acquisition retention cross-sell upsell you know whatever that that situation is that is definitely or it certainly ought to be a focus but I think probably what what the key is here is wherever you are in, in that ABM pyramid, right? Whether you're at the sharp end and you're doing some really hyper-personalized one-to-one activity, whether it's one-to-few clusters, you know, more of the programmatic ABM at the base of the pyramid, the reality is is that you can move any which way, right? Depending on, as you say, it's, it's always circumstantial to any given set of business considerations, any given client. But there's always the ability to move up or down the pyramid and, and typically do it in quite an effective manner, uh, certainly quite an efficient manner. If you've got that proper structure in place up front, right? you know what's supporting the ABM program, both in terms of people, but, but also in terms of resources, assets, content, you know, all of those things. If you've got that in place, it, it's it's actually quite quite a straight, well, I say straightforward, we call it straightforward, but certainly you remove a lot of barriers to, to moving up mm-hmm. and down. And 
Yeah, I think that that's that probably leads quite nicely onto a point that I mean, I've seen with with a few clients recently. Again, about efficiency. How do we drive efficiency? Because again, budgets are being squeezed. So how do we do more with less? How do we leverage what we've already got? Again, whether you wherever you are in the pyramid, if it's you know you've done a bit of industry ABM and you've got a load of great assets into the finance sector, but you want to tailor that to a specific opportunity within Lloyd's Bank, within HSBC, whatever it may be. Well, actually, you know, there is there is the opportunity to do that. But in terms of efficiency and certainly where, where I like to start, and again, it's quite a data led thing and particularly quite a sales led thing as well, is saying, well, what do I have available? You will have a lot of assets, but what are the really key things, the really relevant things for, for ABM? And actually, weirdly, where I've seen a lot of success and they ask me why, but it, it's on, on salespeople's desktops. We don't, mm-hmm. don't want to look too closely on those things. However, usually there's gems, right? So whether whether they literally they could have responded to an RFP or they may have customised the solution to a specific client who had a specific challenge. But actually, there are gems in, in those places, and it's very easy to take those, repurpose, recycle them, and put them as top of funnel content that can absolutely support ABM activity. So whether it's an RFP response that you suddenly turn into an industry-wide piece of content, or, you know, whether you've got an industry-wide piece of content that you want to focus to a specific account because someone from sales has got some really great knowledge locked away somewhere, maybe in your CRM, you know, wherever that may be. These are the things that, that we need to look out for, right, in terms of efficiencies to say, we've actually got this. We don't need to do too much with it, but let's take it and let's activate it and get in market. Yeah, absolutely. And just to build on that point there, I mean, you're spot on. Um, it is... That's why it's so important to get everyone involved into this is that there's gems all over the place that aren't just going to be on your intranet. Because, um, for example, I was on a, a in a workshop a, couple, a few months ago and we were talking about personas. And one of the BDRs said oh, I had a conversation with this guy at this company who said this to me and everyone was like, what? <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what it is, but it, that then became pretty much the predominant message for what we were go- for what we were going into because that small insight there gave us that that clarity on what the what the personas challenges were and what they were experiencing and what uh, and, and what what solution they needed to resolve that problem and what they cared about and so having that visibility and just the input from everyone is just so important because you don't you don't obviously you don't know what you don't know and someone can just bring something so small to the table that can just unlock pretty much exactly what you're needing to uh to get in front of uh, to get in front of your audience couldn't agree more and i think with with that point we've, we've come quite nicely full circle back to the that capacity box piece so probably a great great point to wrap up uh, yeah thank you very much for your time jake hopefully anyone listening found it interesting Uh, until next time thanks luke